Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Well, welcome, welcome. So glad you're here today. Uh, And welcome to our online guest as well. We're so glad you joined us. You know, a study last year showed that moms are asked more questions an hour than is a teacher or a physician. The research found that four-year-old girls were most curious, asking 437 questions a day. Anybody have a four-year-old? Here are some of the questions that they ask. Are there more leaves in the world or grass? Your eyes are blue. Does that mean everything's blue? Why is your tummy so big? Well, there's a baby in there. Oh my gosh, you ate a baby? Why am I left-handed? Why is the ocean salty and why don't crabs have eyebrows? Friends, I don't have all these answers, but I believe I've got some today that might help you along. Amen? We're going to talk about questions in just a moment. Our teaching portion this morning comes from Mark chapter 10. And we're going to begin in verse 46. I'll be reading from the ESV. Can you help me, guys? And it says this, and they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, hold everything. It says, and they came to Jericho. Now there is a period of time between him coming to Jericho and him leaving and we don't know what happened. But it says that there was a great crowd and his disciples were with him. And then we're told that Barnabas, who's Barnabas? A blind beggar. The son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him, be silent. But he cried all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. He didn't pause. He didn't slow down. He stopped. Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him. Father, we thank you for this day. 
Oh God, we thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit, in this house this morning. Sir, we ask that you would come in and settle in this place. Saturate every nook and cranny. You see us, you know every circumstance. And right now I speak calm over this congregation. Sir, I thank you that you are near. Holy Spirit, take your place. Hide me behind your anointing, I pray. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, there's something very important that I want to show you about the name Bartimaeus. The first three letters, Bar, B-A-R, actually mean son of. That's all it means, son of. Son of who? Well, his daddy's name is Timaeus. So that tells us he is the son of Timaeus. That tells me he doesn't even have a name. So if it's okay with you today, I'm going to call him Bart. I don't know what Jesus calls him, but I'm going to call him Bart. Is that okay? Because that's a mouthful this morning. Now, if I ask you today, who is Bartimaeus? You would tell me, oh, he's that blind beggar on the roadside. You would probably not tell me that he is the man that Jesus healed on the roadside. You would tell me he was the blind man. His limitation had become his identity. And this reminds me of Mary Magdalene. I just got to go here for two seconds. Folks wanted to tattoo her with being a prostitute prostitute. And she never was a prostitute. Yet when we think of her, that's what we think of. Folks do not remember her as being the first evangelist or the first preacher. We think of her as being a prostitute, which friends, so-called friends, these were lies that were told on her. Okay, we don't have time to get into that today. But you know, it's really hard when your enemies continually insist on cloaking you with your shortcomings. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be famous for my downfall. I want to be famous for my deliverance. We're told in verse 46, and they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, he was begging by the roadside. So it's safe to say that whenever Jesus and his disciples arrived in Jericho, that Bart was not at the entrance. Where was he? Nobody knows. But we're told that as he was leaving, he was sitting where? I don't know. Maybe he missed his first opportunity when Jesus walked by him. I don't know about you, but I'm not missing mine. I've, I've missed him too many times, okay? All right? So you see, maybe he just wasn't positioned right to hear Jesus coming. He gives us many opportunities but sometimes we can't step up to the plate. Open our hand, open our ears, and receive it. Verse 46 also tells us that he was the son of Timaeus and that Bart was sitting by the roadside. Now the name Timaeus 
You ready for what it means? I don't think you're ready. It means highly favored or prized. So you're telling me that Bartimaeus, son of highly favored father, is begging on the roadside? That's exactly what I'm telling you. And some of us this morning are begging for scraps on the roadside when your father owns it all. So where was he when Jesus came into Jericho? Where was he and what was he doing? He's the same beggar and he's blind and he's poor. What was he doing? You know, a couple of years ago, I was studying this passage. And this is what the Lord showed me. And it startled me. Why? Because he was correcting me. And this is what he showed me. You can be ready standing in the middle of a barley field. Or you can be ready standing on the roadside. What does that mean? Ready is ready. No, it is not. And that is what he was showing me. Where are you standing right now? You know, I had the honor of teaching a leadership class a few days ago and You know, this was very interesting because we were discussing how all the classes prior to the one I was teaching that night, it was building on and impacted the topic on Tuesday night. And the topic was test of promotion. Could also be known as test of non-promotion. What are you doing when it doesn't go your way? When you find yourself begging on the roadside, what are you doing? Where will you stand when it doesn't look right? So as we were discussing it, I began to say, you know, sometimes what God does is he delays your promotion because you've decided to stand in the middle of a 3,000 acre barley field rather than getting up in the stench on the roadside. So he has to delay what his plan is. So then we talked about how our character, our heart, and preparation either poison or promote. What are you doing while you wait? I'm going to break it down a little bit further. You know it's easy to get yours when you're up against the roadside and your heels are teetering on the edge. Way easier to get it right there than it is in the middle of a wheat field. So why would you stand in the middle of a wheat field? Let me explain what he said to me. Oh, I was being corrected. Let me tell you. I'm just going to make it plain. This is what he said. Oh, you want it. You say you want it. But it's going to require you to make some decisions to get it. It's going to require some decisions on your part. And sometimes that's messy, isn't it? Because sometimes it's going to require some relationships to be severed. When you know you're not supposed to be in it anyway. Sometimes it's going to require getting all up in your finances because you're spending where you ought not be spending. Can't give to the church because you got to. Come on. 
Oh, I better leave that right there. In order to get to the roadside, you got to make some decisions. I don't know what it's going to take to get to the roadside. Sometimes it requires us to get on our belly and crawl. But if you want change and if you want breakthrough, you better get down on your belly and crawl. Amen. Amen. So we all know that by the time Jesus leaves Jericho, Bart is where? He's on the roadside. Sometimes in order to get into proper alignment, well, let me just tell you a little bit about the roadside. You know there were no automobiles. You travel by foot, or you travel by donkey, or you travel by camel. And did I mention the heat? And did I mention what camels and donkeys leave behind? So when he's sitting on the roadside, oh, the odor must have been unbearable. But you, you know what? He made a decision one day. Sometimes we got to get up in the filth, in the dust, in the dirt. Regardless, you got to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm getting mine regardless. Oh, he was desperate and he needed somebody to have mercy on him. Does anybody this morning need a little mercy? Amen. Amen. You see, he didn't care about the stench. He did not. He said, I'm about to get up close and personal because I heard a thing. Verse 47 says, and when he heard, he was not deaf. He was blind. And it says when he heard a thing. What did he hear? Well, he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth. That's what he heard. Now, I don't know about you, but this was not a dead church, what I'm talking about. The folks that were following him must have been making a ruckus because he heard a thing. It, they weren't doing this. Like some 11 o'clock Sunday morning services where you look like everybody's dead and there's mourning going on. No, they're acting like they've been in the midst of Jesus casting out demons, growing limbs. Raising the dead. Oh, that ought to make you get loud. I believe this church, this group of folks, they were loud. Not this. Sit down. I don't know how you can even experience a miracle or even see one and sit down quietly, business as usual. Sit down. You better know what you're dealing with. Amen? Ooh, maybe he had heard that the spirit of the Lord was on that man and that he had anointed him to proclaim good news to the poor and he was poor, remember? Maybe he had heard that this man would set the captives free and maybe he heard that sight to the blind who was being recovered. You see, maybe he was in the middle of a barley field because he had to hear a few things first. Amen. I want to show you something really important right here. Verse 47 says this. When he heard, he heard, when he heard, this is what he said. He began to cry. The presence of God often brings people to tears. 
It's an overwhelming weeping from your soul when you come into the presence of God. And we are told in verse 47 that he cried. A lot of people read that and they think he shouted. Well, maybe he cried really loud and it sounded like a shout. He was broken. He was desperate. And it says he cried, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have you ever cried out to God because you were desperate? Well, let me show you something very important that took place right there when he said that. Bartimaeus called him son of David, and that was a no-no. Did you know that? You don't say that. No one up to this time had identified him as Messiah. But this blind man did. You're not allowed to say that. But this blind man said it. Now, this is one of the places that Jesus went before he was headed to be crucified. Okay, this is one of the last places that he went. And nobody had identified him as the son of David, meaning the Messiah. Now, Jesus had to fulfill prophecy. But what has to take place before prophecy? Somebody's got to say it. It had to happen right there. Somebody had to speak it, okay? And it took a blind man to do it. This was the day that insight was better than eyesight. Insight was better than eyesight. The blind man knew who he was. And he said, Jesus, oh, I know who you are. You are the Messiah. Powerful. So what happened? You see... This was a teaching moment because all these people didn't really get it yet. He had to tell them who Jesus was. He had to say it. So what happens? He says it. Do we ever see this in the church? Somebody says a thing and they're speaking truth. Sit down. Stop talking. You're embarrassing us. He does not have time for you. Why would they say or believe he didn't have time? They're trying to silence his voice. And he gets louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. He wouldn't stop. You see, he had to raise his voice above the very thing that was trying to silence him. Sometimes you better get loud. Because there are folks don't want your deliverance. They want to talk about prostitution. They don't want to talk about how you got out. You better get loud and make it plain. Amen. He said, oh, I know who you are. You see, there was a commotion stirring, I believe. They're saying, stop acting like that. The more they tried to shut him up. Jesus, Rabbi! That's what he said. I want a disciple with you. You see, he had made a decision. And nothing had happened yet. Did you get that? I want a disciple with you. He called him Rabbi. I want a disciple with you. What would you do? You're desperate for mercy. You need him to show up. 
You're crying loud up here in the altar, and you got folks trying to shut you down. What are you going to do? You're going to cower down and not get yours? Well, let me tell you, he wasn't. The rubber met the road right there. You see, he had suffered long enough. And something rose up on the inside of him. Oh, there was a fire. There was a passion rising up on the inside of him. And there was knowledge. He was not going to allow Jesus to come anywhere near him. Because he heard he was in town. Nope. He was not going to allow it. He was crying for help. I need you to help me. He knew he could help him. Because you see, he had heard a thing. There were a couple of times in my life where I knew Yeshua was coming close. And I couldn't make the decision to crawl up in his lap. Price felt too high at that moment. And then there was another time when he came really close. And all I could do was say, Ja, Ja. I couldn't even speak his name. I'm telling you, he will give you another opportunity. Amen. And I believe that's what happened to Bartimaeus. So what did Bart do? <clears throat> he yelled really loud. He made himself louder than the crowd. So why do you think they were trying to shut him down? Well, there are a couple things going on. They were all hurrying to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And maybe they assume that Jesus did not have time for somebody like that. Because it's obvious to them that he's in full-blown sin. That's what they decided. Full-blown sin. Because he was poor, number one. He was blind, number two. And if he wasn't in sin, he would have health and wealth. Now, how often do we see that in the church? Don't say it. Just think it. Think about it. When he's calling us to be a judge-free zone. Sometimes you just need to tell haters, I'm going to need you to sit down. I know who's going to help me. Amen. Now, Jesus did not slow down and take a glance. I told you that. We're told he stopped. I don't know about you, but the thought of Jesus Christ stopping when I call on his name shifts everything. Regardless of what you're going through, he stopped. And I believe he turned his face towards him. Your cry shifted his gaze towards you. And you see, this is a very stressful time in his life. He's headed to Jerusalem. He knows the suffering that's ahead of him. And some one lonely, poor beggar calls his name. Everything shifts. Took his eyes off of himself and put them on one man. One voice. Can you imagine knowing 
that we have a need and that God would ignore us? Absolutely not. And he knew that. Jesus said, call him. Now, Jesus is talking to the ones, watch this, that are following him and had been rebuking him for crying out for help. Why would he do that? He did not need those people. He didn't need them, but he did. Why did he do it? I believe he was showing them that they, in fact, were the blind one. He, in fact, could see. I believe that. In the natural, that's not what I'm talking about. He's saying to all of them, rebuking him, call him. Now, what happens when all of a sudden folks start seeing Jesus showing up in your life, using you to do things? And those people that wouldn't give you the time of day last week, now they want to be your BFF this week. Right or wrong? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, that's exactly what happened. How long had these same people, this is what they do, shut him up? Isn't that enough? Stop yelling. Stop. How many times had they walked by him? Throw him a few measly coins. And some of us this morning are happy to receive that. Measly coins. Afterthought. I don't know about you. I'm not accepting any more measly offers. When my father owns it all. And I know where to get that help. And what some of us need to happen this morning is we need somebody to look us in the eyes and say, I'm not giving you another coin. Get yourself up because I'm going to take you to the deliverer. You see, they were enabling, weren't they? Stop talking. Sit down. Let me give you a little bit. Over there. Give him those crumbs. Now stop. It ought to be enough to make you stop. Watch what happens next as they obeyed what Jesus told them. They went from shh to come on. That's what happened. Take heart. He's calling you. The people called him forth. The word says they called him forth. Three things happened when they called him forth. We're told that he throws off his cloak. Now, what I didn't tell you is that a beggar, this was all they owned, okay? This was all that they had. It kept them warm at night, and it took the shade off. They used it for shade in the daytime. So when they would come to beg, what would happen is they would sit down, and they would wrap the cloak over their lap. You see, there were no coins. And so that's why the people would walk by and they would throw it at them. Okay? 
Well, the word tells me that when they said, he's calling you, he threw that thing, he threw that thing, and he still couldn't see. Do you hear me? He just threw away everything that defined who he was. Poor, you beggar. He said, oh, I'm about to get to the Messiah because I know who he is. Here's what I want to show you that was everything he owned. Not only was it everything he owned, all those coins that I can hear go flying, it was probably his food for the day. He threw everything he had, everything he owned. Get off of me. That happened first. And then we're told he jumps to his feet. Let me remind you, he can't see a thing. He don't know where he's going because he cannot see. But you see, I believe it was the presence of God. I don't know where I'm going, but I ain't doing this anymore. He jerks that thing off. Coins go flying. And then what does he do? He made his way to Jesus. I don't know where you are. Speak, Lord. But I'm finding you. That's what he did. Hmm. I believe he threw that cloak off. No second thought about the money that he had begged for all day because he knew he wasn't going to be needing that stuff anymore. It's over. Whoo, there's a shift coming. That begging mentality, that cloak that defined me as poor and ragged, it's over. You see, that, that cloak was kind of like a tapping cane today. Mm. So when somebody had this on... If you couldn't see their front, you knew they were a beggar. Because you see, that was what defined them. He said, oh, it's over. There's a shift coming and it's over. Now, imagine, if you will, throwing away everything that you own, your phone, your car, your jewelry, your your home, throwing away everything of value to you so that you can get close to Jesus. I'm going to leave that right there for about two seconds because that's what he did. You see, these things that we're talking about, he had to make a decision that day. He had to decide, am I going to take that off? Hmm. Because sometimes we become familiar and comfortable with what somebody has said. (laughs) Sometimes we get comfortable, we nurture it, we pet that thing. Right? That insecurity. We take ownership of it. He had to decide, would he remain in the prison of indecision or would he decide to take that thing off? Whew, he was at the crossroads. What are you going to do? 
some of us are standing in stagnant water this morning because you won't make a decision. You are literally imprisoned with indecision. When you need to stand up and make a decision. But you see, fear creeps in and it keeps us from making a decision. And at some point, you got to grab hold of that thing. Say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm taking this thing off and I'm finding you in the middle of my mess. He decided he would no longer be shackled with indecision. He decided that he would get up out of the dung and the stench of the mess and take a chance on Jesus. That's what he decided that day. He'd had it. He'd heard a few things. And I'm telling you, there's a shift coming your way from Yahweh. There's a shift coming your way from Yahweh when you make a decision towards him. You're moving towards him. There's an alignment coming, and that had to happen. You see, the cloak had become a security blanket and defined his circumstance. Then Jesus asked one question. Not 437 like a four-year-old girl's. He asked one question. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? Listen, when he asks you, what do you want me to do for you? Tell him. Tell him. He didn't ask for food. He did not ask for lodging. Why? Because that's a band-aid. That's man-made. That's something he could get from man. No. He said, I want to restore my sight. You see, he knew to ask man for this, this temporary fix. That's why some of you need somebody to look, in you and look you in the eyes and say, that's it. That's over. We're not doing that anymore because I'm getting you to the deliverer. We're not doing this anymore. That's hard love, isn't it? Sometimes we need that though, don't we? <clears throat> There's a reason that Jesus asked you this question. So watch what happened. He said, I want to see. He asked for his sight to be restored. Now, I want to tell you something about diseases of the eyes and in this time period. They were very common. As a matter of fact, the slightest wind in the air, it is filled with a fine, pungent dust, which injures the eyes. It is believed that if you walk the streets during this time period that I was startled by this number, that the number of men that were either blind or had been affected around their eyes or in their eyes could hardly see, okay? That the number was half the male population. There's no evidence he was born blind. It doesn't say that. 
Because if he had been born blind, he would not have said, God, restore my sight. You see, that means he had already seen. And when you see, he was saying, God, please give me back what I've already experienced. Sometimes we lose things, don't we? And that's what he was asking for. He wasn't asking for something he didn't understand. He knew that that situation is what caused him to get into this situation. Right? By the way, the issue was even more prevalent in eyes in children. So we're talking about half the men and even more prevalent in children. He knew not to ask for money. He said, Rabbi, I want to recover my sight. He remembered what it was like to see. When you see, you can't unsee. Hold that for just a minute. He was desperate for what he had once lost. And some of us are in that place this morning. We're desperate for the thing that we've lost. He was standing in the moment with the healer. You better know when Jesus said, son, what do you want? Now let's think about that a minute. When he asks you, are you going to ask for the band-aid or are you going to ask for the miracle? And you better know the difference. You better know who can give you what. Okay? We're told that Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. And what did he do? He followed Jesus. He told him he wanted disciple with him and he did. He didn't receive it and then act like he didn't. Ooh. And believe me, he hadn't thought about those coins again. <laughs> Amen. Pastor Angela, can you come? He hasn't thought about that again. So how did Bartimaeus dress for success? Don't forget, you can be ready in the middle of a barley field. Or you can be ready on the edge of the road. What did he do? He broke out. I want, you, I want you to hear these steps he took. Because I don't know about you. I want to win. And I want to I win big. I don't want to miss his presence. At the same time, I want to walk in knowing. Knowing. Not only that I'm surrounded by his presence. But when I call. When I cry for him. He turns his head towards me. Yes, Angela, what? Wow. He broke out. He made a decision, broke out of the prison of indecision. He had to decide. I had to decide to get out of the middle of the field and get up close to the stitch because I was going to have to walk through some things before he could even get close to me. That's eye-opening, isn't it? I had to get in the stitch. 
And then he cried out to God, not yelled, cried out to God. He didn't make his way to the edge and start wishing. Wow. He didn't get there and start wishing. He got there. And I believe there was a resolve in him. If he comes anywhere near me. And you see, I hear he's coming. Oh, we're not wishing. We don't wish, do we? No, we're going to get ours. And then the third thing that he did. He threw off the cloak that defined him. Whether you're being defined by yourself, maybe you're being defined like Mary Magdalene by someone else. He said, that day's over. It's over. The very thing that tells you that I'm this, that, and the other thing, it's over. Sometimes we got to get to that place. Right? And then what happened? By the way, when he threw that cloak off, don't forget, he threw away everything that would get between him and the Messiah. Everything that I own. He was stripped naked, if you will. Everything that I own, I'm laying it right down there. And then he jumped. I love this. He couldn't even see where he was going, but he jumped to his feet in expectation. Going, whoo, I might not can see it, but I'm believing it. Oh, I'm believing because I know who you are. You see, he had already called him. Well, you know what he called him, son of David. He said, I know who you are. They might not know, but I do. Don't believe for the band-aid this morning. We're going to believe for the miracle. Amen. And then we're told that he made his way to Jesus. He made a physical move. I think he run. I can see everything being knocked over. Angela, he's knocking, he's elbowing. Because you see, he heard the Messiah Remember when he said to me, you can be ready in the wheat field? It's going to take you a long time to get to him if you're in the middle of a 3,000 acre field when he's calling your name. It's going to take you a while. I don't know about you. I'm not missing mine again. And then I want to show you this last thing. He did all these things that I just described to you before the miracle ever even occurred. He didn't know if he would get it. He didn't know, but he said, I want a disciple with you, Rabbi. I want a disciple with you. And whether you heal me or not, I'm coming. I'm coming. It was his faith. 
It was his faith. I believe it moved Jesus' face, turned towards him. Oh, I'm going to get mine. And if you decide not to do it, I'm still coming. We got to get there, don't we? He took off that cloak that defined him and he put on hope at that moment. Took off what defined him and put on hope at that moment. Is there anybody this morning that needs some hope? Because I'm telling you, you're in the house of hope today. I really believe that. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now, if you have not yet made the decision to make Jesus your Savior, if you don't really even understand this healer that I'm talking about this morning, but you want to, I just want you to lift your hand just a moment. Just lift it really quick and let me see it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you will stand to your feet this morning. And if I can get a few of our pastors and leaders to come and help me. You know, it's really easy to stay in your seat. It's, it's more comfortable, isn't it? It's like the middle of the field. It's more comfortable. But sometimes you've got to make a move. You've got to make a move towards him. Amen. And there's a couple of things I want us to address this morning at the altar. If you need that, at the altar. And it's this. If you're standing in that stagnant water that I talked about this morning, if you're standing in that place and you cannot make a decision because fear has completely surrounded you, but you know that you need to make the decision because you're imprisoned with it, that's the first thing I want us to pray. I want us to pray with you about that because I believe today is a courageous day. I believe that. And then if there are things that are standing between you and the Messiah. Those are those, those are those sometimes relationships, sometimes careers. He's trying to get to you. But there's this thing. There's just a few things that need to be dealt with. I want us to deal with that. And then I ask this, what are you believing God for? What are you believing him for? The band-aid or the miracle? What are you believing for? Some of us are tired because we've asked and we've not seen yet. But I'm telling you, he hears you and it's coming. It may not come like you think it's coming, but it's coming because he hears you. Amen. And finally, some of us, we need to take that step forward, just like Bartimaeus. What does that mean? We need to make that step towards him because sometimes life gets in the way. It gets in the way. And we find ourselves so busy. You hear me? We find ourselves so busy trying to survive when he's saying, come. Come and let me carry you. Some of us just need to get that relationship back in proper order this morning. You're not too far off, but you're far off enough that you haven't prayed in about five days. Haven't opened that word in about three months. 
but you love him. That's in the middle of the field. And that concludes today's message. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered in today's message. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless you.